This is Education Insight. I'm Lacey Kendall, your host for this program that looks at education in the Inland Empire. This past year, after what was the most difficult period of their career, thousands of teachers across the country and locally either decided to retire or simply quit teaching. Now, schools are trying to replace those teachers and they're looking to teachers of color to help increase student success, especially here in inland Southern California. An impressive number of research studies and school districts nationally are finding that teachers of color boost academic outcomes, reduce suspensions, and raise academic expectations for students of color. They connect well with Anglo students and are able to dismantle early racism. Today, we're looking at diversifying the teacher workforce. Here in the Inland Empire, a new university program aims directly at helping teachers of color enter the workforce. We'll speak with the Dean of the College of Education at CSUSB later in the program and some impressive college students and recent graduates share some words of encouragement for other students that all of us can gain from. But first, we meet Desiree Carver-Thomas of the Learning Policy Institute, a national nonprofit that conducts exhaustive research on education and connects that information with policymakers in Washington, D.C. and with school systems across the country. Thomas has authored a number of works on recruiting and retaining teachers of color and the benefits of both. Desiree, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. First off, what does the racial and ethnic diversity in the teacher's workforce look like today? Sure. So teachers of color make up uh, about 20% of the teacher workforce nationally. And, and that's compared to just 12% of the workforce 30 years ago. Um, in California, it's a bit more. Teachers of color make up uh, just over 30% of teachers. And we also know that um, new teachers are even more likely to be teachers of color. About 25% are compared to just 10% 30 years ago. Uh-huh. Um, however, you know, many newly recruited teachers don't remain in the profession. So, so it's also important to retain these new entrants. Is that true here in California, or would you say that's nationwide? That's nationwide. Mm. I don't have all of the numbers for California, but uh, those are our national figures. So what are the current conditions like today when it comes to hiring a diverse workforce of teachers? Is there still a national teacher shortage as we've heard so much on television? Sure. So, you know, when it comes to the national teacher shortage, the short answer is yes. Over the past several decades, we've seen a a sharp decline in the number of people enrolling in teacher preparation programs to become teachers. Um, And there are several indicators of widespread shortages. We've documented um, teachers hired on emergency style permits or waivers or those who are still in school earning their credential while they're teaching. Um, schools that are staffing positions with long-term substitutes. Um, So these conditions are especially severe in math, science, and special education. Um, We don't have quotas for teachers of color in the same way that we might for math or English. Um, So we wouldn't call it a a shortage in the same way. Um, Many districts and states, including California, have articulated a a desire um, to hire more teachers of color than they currently do. Mm -hmm. 
Desiree, you've written uh, quite a bit of work on the positive impacts that a diverse teacher workforce has on our students. For our listeners, could you explain your thoughts on that? I thought it was very interesting. Yeah, absolutely. Well, there's a, a wide body of research um, that demonstrates the benefits of teacher diversity, um, particularly when Black students have Black teachers. We see evidence of um, higher test scores in reading and math. We see increased graduation rates. Um, we see that uh, students are less likely to be chronically absent or to be suspended um, when they have teachers of color. And then um, you know, there's other research showing that you know, regardless of race, students report feeling cared about and academically challenged when they have a teacher of color. Um, and then, of course, you know, all students can develop the, the dispositions to work and live in a diverse and global society when they have diverse role models in childhood. Are there unique barriers that teachers of color run into when they're entering into the teaching profession? Yes. So cost is a major barrier. Um, more than two-thirds of students entering education borrow money with an average debt load of $20,000 for a bachelor's and $50,000 for a master's. Um, and we know that the rising cost of college discourages college students in general from entering into professions like teaching. Um, but this is especially true for students of color who are more likely to report that their um, anticipated debt load influenced their career choice or their major because of that debt, even with the, the same anticipated debt load. So it's not hard to imagine that college students of color opt to pursue better paying careers, especially considering that beginning teachers nationally earn 20% less than co other college graduates in, in other fields and 30% less by mid-career. Yeah. Uh, Desiree, are there any strategies or practices, promising practices that you've heard of uh, that are focused on bringing more teachers of color into the profession? Yes. So um, one promising practice, these are teacher residencies. Uh -huh. These are typically um, one-year apprenticeships. They're modeled on medical residencies. Residents spend an entire year student teaching under the wing of a highly effective mentor teacher. At the same time, they're completing related coursework at a partnering university. They typically receive financial support, often a stipend or tuition assistance um, in exchange for teaching an additional, you know, three to four years in their district. Mm -hmm. After the residency year, they receive ongoing mentoring support. And um, these programs have seen really incredible outcomes. They tend to bring in many more teachers of color than other programs. These teachers tend to stay in the profession quite a bit longer than their peers. Um, and they tend to be rated, you know, effective teachers ultimately. So that's one um, and there are, there are others that focus on, you know, addressing that cost barrier. So service scholarships and loan forgiveness programs that cover or reimburse a portion of tuition costs in, in exchange for a commitment to teach in a high-need school or high-need subject area, typically for three to five years. Mm -hmm. um, and these programs are most effective when they cover a substantial portion of the cost of school. There are grow-your-own programs that recruit high school students paraprofessionals who are already working in their schools and communities, after-school program staff, other community members, and these can support candidates through the pipeline. And all of these programs are ones that have actually uh, been put in place in some parts of, of the state. Yeah. 
So let's say uh, here in the Inland Empire, in a, any particular district, we're doing very well at recruiting and developing diverse teachers. But it's equally critical to retain teachers once they're hired. Would you say that's true? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. um, like I mentioned, more new teachers in the past several decades are teachers of color. But high turnover rates can undermine that growth. Um, so absolutely, retention yeah. is just as important as recruitment. Could you elaborate on that a little bit more for us? Yeah. So it comes down to, you know, supporting the professional growth of teachers of color, as well as creating inclusive work environments. Um, so what that looks like is, you know, offering mentorship and induction in those early years when um, teachers are deciding if this is the right the right, uh, you know, career path for them, as well as ongoing professional development um, through those veteran years. And we know from the research that administrative support is one of the most predictive uh, factors in whether a teacher will stay or leave their school or teaching in general. So it's important that school leaders uh, have the professional development and growth to, to learn how to cultivate those positive climates where teachers of color want to continue to stay and teach. Gotcha. If you just joined us, you're listening to Education Insight. Our guest is Desiree Carver-Thomas. She's a researcher and policy analyst on the Learning Policy Institute's Educator Quality Team. Her work is focused on educator quality and teacher diversity. Desiree, are there any other barriers to recruiting and retaining teachers of color, aside from the ones you've already mentioned. I mean, talk to me about teacher preparation, challenging conditions, and recently, of course, school closures. So insufficient preparation is a major issue. We know from the research that comprehensive preparation matters for teacher retention. Teachers who come into the profession without that comprehensive preparation are two to three times as likely to leave teaching compared to those who, who enter with um, comprehensive preparation. And just to give you a sense mm -hmm. of what that means, it's, you know, having experience observing others teach and being observed and getting feedback, student teaching for at least a full semester and, and getting that feedback to improve their practice, um, taking courses in teaching methods, learning theory. Um, so, you know, some teachers, you know, start on day one without having done um, all of that work. Um, and given college costs, like I mentioned before, it's no surprise that many teachers of color choose alternative certification uh, to enter the field. We know that about one in four uh, new teachers of color um, do, which is twice the rate of, of white teachers. And, and that has a major impact on um, teacher retention. Yeah. Educators from all over inland Southern California are listening to this program. What should they be doing over the next few years if we want to see more improvement in this area? Before you answer that, we need to take a quick break. We're talking about diversifying the teacher workforce in the Inland Empire and speaking with expert Desiree Carver-Thomas from the Learning Policy Institute. More in a moment, I'm Lacey Kendall. And this is Education Insight.
Welcome back to Education Insight. It's hard to deny that the lockdowns of 2020 changed the landscape of education, and a surprising number of American teachers left education. Now, schools are looking to rebuild that workforce and leaning towards a more diverse group of teachers to more accurately reflect the cultural makeup of their student body. Because schools that have are showing that it improves student success. Desiree Carver-Thomas of the Learning Policy Institute joins us. Before the break, I asked, what should educators in the Inland Empire be doing if they want to see a more diversified teacher workforce? Your thoughts? Well, we know that supporting comprehensive preparation at the state level is really key. That's what you know, I've spoken about a, a bit, but a lot of people want to know, you know, on day one, if we don't have the funding to start our own preparation program here in a, in a small district, you know, what can we do to increase recruitment? And what I would say is that it starts with thinking about the culture of a district and how to retain the teachers that are already there. Uh, like I mentioned before, having that administrative support an administrator who can cultivate a, a positive culture that's inclusive to teachers of color. And then thinking about uh, what are those hiring practices? How are you going about connecting with the local community to tap into uh, folks who are already there, support them to come into your district, and then create a supportive environment where they can grow professionally? Yeah. You mentioned hiring practices. You've done a lot of research on this. What do you think are the most promising practices out there right now? Well, there's quite a few different approaches that we've seen. So some districts in California are developing communities of practice. They're tapping into other HR professionals in their regions in order to come up with a regional approach. Mm -hmm. um, so, uh, you know, that's a way to kind of expand your expertise is by saying, you know, all of the HR managers for all of the districts in this area are going to get together and figure out what's working for you, what could we try, what could we do differently, um, and taking an inventory of what those practices are currently and where barriers might be in the, that hiring process that could be adjusted. Um, so that's one approach that we've seen that has had some impacts. That is one of the most promising practices that we've seen. All right. You're listening to... Education Insight, and our guest has been Desiree Carver-Thomas. She's a researcher and policy analyst on the Learning Policy Institute's Educator Quality Team. Desiree, thank you for speaking with us today. Absolutely. It's my pleasure. A little later on today's Education Insight, we'll get some much-needed words of inspiration from local college students and recent grads. You'll want to hear that. <laughs> Today, we're talking about diversifying the education workforce in the Inland Empire. Did you know that more California educators have come from a Cal State campus than anywhere else? At CSUSB, they've begun a program that's focused on getting more minority men into teaching and helping them thrive once they arrive there. We're joined on phone by Dean Chanaka Domnoa Chukwu. Doctor, could you tell us a little about the College of Education at CSUSB and your role in preparing a qualified teacher workforce? 
Uh, the San Bernardino campus of the Cal State University system opened in 1965 and originally it opened as a college for preparing teachers. Uh, the first set of credentials were issued in 1967. And uh, since that time till now, uh, this uh, college has processed at least 10,500 credentials for various areas of teaching. Currently, the College of Education is made up of uh, three departments and 12 major programs. Our Department of Educational uh, Leadership and Technology uh, has about three or four major programs, actually four major programs that are very critical for teacher preparation and professionals in this, in the, in this state. Mm -hmm. uh, we have the only doctoral program in the university, the EDD program, Doctor of Education program. Uh, we also have the program that works on preparing educational administrators, principals, and school site leaders, even superintendents, uh, the educational leadership program that offers two uh, different types of master's degrees along with the credentials. They offer a master's degree in educational administration and another master's degree in educational leadership. We also, in that department, house the career technical education program as well as the instructional technology program. So that's one department. The other department, Teacher Education and Foundation, houses uh, a number of master's degrees along with two major credential programs. We have the master's in education program in that department and a master's teaching English, uh, speakers of English uh, of other languages, TESOL, uh, people who teach uh, students who speak other languages. And then we have the multiple subject credential program that prepares the teachers who teach for the kindergarten, preschool kindergarten through sixth grade. Mm -hmm. And then we have the single subject program we teaches, uh, prepares teachers that work with uh, middle school, high school, and junior high school. The third department is our Department of Special Education, Rehabilitation, and Counseling. Uh, this department houses our special education program, which has a traditional teacher education credential, as well as an internship credential program, as well as a master's degree in special education. Uh, it houses the school psychology program, and the school counseling, the counseling program, which combines both clinical counseling and school counseling, as well as the rehabilitation counseling program. So we have three departments with a broad specialization that covers all the fields of education and teaching. Currently, I can boast that our college has invested much into producing teachers for the Inland Empire. Mm -hmm. uh, hardly have I gone to any school site and not find a CSUSB uh, graduate from one of our programs. A lot of the school site administrators come from our program. The two regional uh, superintendents of schools for both Riverside County and uh, San Bernardino County all graduated from this college. That speaks to the impact of the college in the region. Dean, earlier in the hour, we were speaking with analyst Desiree Carver-Thomas, and she expressed that there's a real need to diversify our teacher workforce here in this area. Why would you say that is so critical to do, specifically in the Inland Empire? Diversifying the teacher workforce uh, in the Inland Empire is a critical need. Just starting with looking at the demographic, 
the demographic of the region uh, has become predominantly minority, uh, with the uh, Hispanic population uh, now emerging as the largest. And we have um, a good number of other ethnic groups, especially also a good representation of uh, Native American population. And, and then African Americans have been part of this region for a whole, a very, very long time. So to invest in diversifying the teaching workforce has a whole lot of benefits that will help lift up both school going, uh, high school completion, as well as college going uh, in this region. The influence ethnic minority teachers uh, have on improving reading, mathematics scores, and graduation rates, research-based uh, evidences that show that when we invest in these, in the development of these new uh, teachers, it will benefit the region maximally. Uh, for example, the benefits to an African-American child who has an African-American teacher just for one year in the elementary school persists over several years, especially if that student comes from a low-income family. In addition, when students from ethnic minority background experience learning under somebody of their kind, their socio-emotional benefits that accrue are immense. There are fewer unexcused absences with those students, lower rates of chronic absenteeism, lower rates of suspension. These students feel connected and cared for academically and also feel challenged. So these are findings that have come from credible studies. In fact, John Hopkins uh, University uh, held a study a few years ago that clearly stated that at least if a student of an African-American uh, uh, background goes through an African-American teacher in the elementary school, just one teacher, especially between third grade and fifth grade, there is 29% less likely a chance that that student will drop out of school. That is significant. Yeah, yeah. And African-American boys, when they go through an African-American teacher, the chance is actually rises to 39% likely uh, is less likely to drop out of out of school so it is a tremendous benefit to increase the number of ethnic minority teachers in the k-12 classrooms because the benefits are immense dean you've been working on a project to diversify teaching uh, to the entire profession that is being called rather unique could you tell us about that we are working on uh, what we call project impact this is uh a minority teacher pipeline program that focuses on recruiting, training, and deploying African-American and Hispanic male teachers into the K-12 classrooms in the in, Inland Empire. Let me say that the CSU system at large has been very much focused on increasing minority male teacher pipeline. There are a number of programs across the CSU that has tried to target on this. We at uh, Castel San Bernardino are doing something slightly different from what is happening across uh, the CSU system. Mm -hmm. Our project impact is unique in its structure, its goal, and its outcome. We are partnering with school districts and the regional county office of education and a number of other partners to do a massive recruitment of African-American males and Hispanic males. 
We want to be able to recruit as many as possible to actually teach at the lower grades, kindergarten to sixth grade. Because all the studies we've looked at show that uh, that's the point at which they make the most impact in the lives of their students. Mm-hmm. And our goal is to go beyond recruiting them to training, training them in a way that goes above and beyond the traditional teacher preparation program. We are running uh, along with the traditional teaching curriculum that they are working on. They are also involved in a whole lot of professional development activities that are planned in partnership with some of our collaborators. And we go beyond the training to being involved in their placements. We want to work with school districts to place them in areas where the demographic calls for their impact. So we want that African-American teacher that has been trained at CSUSB to be able to be in an environment where he will have more contact with African-American young men and women and be able to implement what he has learned in our program in helping meet the needs of these students. The same goes for the Hispanic students. Uh, And we are hoping that beyond recruitment, training, and deployment, we can provide these teachers a strong and long-term mentoring support. Now, I hope you understand that uh, one of the challenges California has had, in addition to our teacher shortage in California, has been teacher attrition. Mm-hmm. Uh, California loses a lot of teachers within the first five years of their the starting their teaching career. And a number of factors are responsible for that. So through this program, one of the things we're trying to do is to also commit to a five-year mentoring support for every one of the men that go through our program. We are recruiting veteran teachers who are already, and administrators who are already in the K-12 system to work with these male teachers as their support, as their sound boards, so that when there are challenges and issues that they are dealing with, they have somebody that they can trust who is not going to be evaluating them or assessing them in any way, whose role is purely to support them and help them navigate the challenges of teaching and succeed. Our goal is that that mentoring can be provided for them up to the point at which they gain tenure in the teaching field. And at that point, we can let them move on into their career. But we want to be able to support them through the process. So our program is targeting recruitment, training, deployment, and sustained long-term mentoring. And that's what distinguishes it from every other program that is doing anything like this. We've heard that a lot of folks are excited about the program because of the interesting collaborations. When you mention collaborations, are you talking about those future employers that you're working with, or are there others? Yes. um, We know we cannot accomplish this on our own. So the, the vision was launched actually in collaboration with the Riverside County Office of Education when uh, Dr. Judy White was the superintendent of schools for Riverside. Uh, So she collaborated with us through her office, and we launched the program with 10 men. The second partner that joined board with us is uh, the Growing Inland Achievement, uh, a nonprofit organization in the inland region, uh, headed by Dr. Carlos Ayala. They came on board and immediately began to work and support in every day, everywhere possible. 
Another group is uh, an African-American organization that serves to recruit students to college and help uh, retain students in high school. It's called the Blue, Found Blue Educational Foundation. Mm -hmm. They came on board and they collaborated with us. And just recently, the San Bernardino Superintendent of Schools uh, also came on board. So we have these organizations that have rallied around us and we have actually formed what we call the Inland Empire Minority Teacher Pipeline Program in which we are working collaboratively to try to make uh, this increase in the number of African-American and Hispanic male teachers in the K-12 system happen as fast as possible. So that's what I mean by the partnerships and the collaboration. Yeah. What would you really like to see happen most, both short-term and long-term, as a result of the Inland Empire Minority Male Teacher Pipeline Project? Think about that for a minute, Dean Domnachuku, as we take a quick break. We'll be right back with more education insight. We're talking about the move to diversify the teacher workforce in the Inland Empire. I'm Lacey Kendall. More in a moment. Hi, this is Jacob Poor, executive producer of Education Insight. Thank you for listening to the program. Do you have any suggestions for stories we should be covering? Are you aware of problems in local education that we should be looking at? Or amazing students or educators we should be honoring? Write to us at info at inlandempiregia.org. That's info at inlandempiregia.org. Thank you for your suggestions so far. We appreciate your insight. Support provided by... College Futures Foundation, working to catalyze systemic change, increase college degree completion, and close equity gaps so that the dream of opportunity can become a reality available to every student, regardless of zip code, skin color, or income, at collegefutures.org. Welcome back to Education Insight. Today we're talking about the effort to replace the teachers that left education during the pandemic. As schools look to where they might find greater success in reaching a diverse group of students, they're looking seriously at diversifying local teachers. Cal State San Bernardino's College of Education has begun a program directly aimed at helping more people of color, particularly men, join the education field. On the phone with us is Dean Domna Chukwu, who oversees that program. Before the break, I asked, what would you most like to see, both short-term and long-term, as a result of the Inland Empire Minority Male Teacher Pipeline Project? Short-term, we want to see a significant increase in the number of African-American and Hispanic male teachers who go through our credential programs at CSUSB. We want to see that happen because we want to recruit them and train them and prepare them for the field. Also, we want to see increased number of African-American male and Hispanic teachers in the elementary classrooms of the Inland Empire. 
So we don't want to we don't want to recruit and train them for them to go elsewhere. Mm -hmm. We want them in the inland empire mm -hmm. because we want them to make a difference in this region. Long term, we want to match each of these teachers with a veteran teacher of their own ethnicity who can mentor them, as I had mentioned earlier, and help keep them in the teaching profession for as long as possible. We also hope to retain uh, uh, these teachers in the profession and overcome the high attrition rate that I mentioned earlier. But also, we are looking forward to seeing measurable impact of their presence in the K-12 classrooms. How will you measure as that? Years roll by. How do we measure that? Mm -hmm. We are looking forward to look at, uh, using a variety of, uh, I would say, measures and standards to know how well this program is going. First of all, number of teachers we put out there will be a measuring standard. They are longevity in the profession because we have to tra track them long term. It's also an indicator we would like to look at. But also we want to look at their impact in their classrooms. So we hope to be able to track their performances through the records of their students' academic achievement to the degree that we can get access to it. Because some of the test, test score data oftentimes are hard to be released to non-district or school agencies. But we are looking at uh, measuring high school graduation rate for their students, college going rate for their students. But also, more significantly, we want to see at least 80% retention of these teachers within five to 10 years in the teaching field. We believe that that, that would be a, many, a very good indicator for us uh, that we are successful in what we are doing. Doctor, what have been the key focus areas of this project and the work that's taken place up to this point? We launched this program uh, around fall of 2019 as we were negotiating and, and, and dialoguing with uh, the Riverside County Office of Education. And uh, we hired a director for the program in the spring of 2020. And uh, our first set of students were recruited. In spring of 2020, there were 10 men that we started with. Since that time, we have uh, actually launched a very successful campaign of outreach and recruitment. Um, we have connected with various agencies in the region through whom we are beginning to access more and more men uh, who fit the criteria that we need. So we have a strong marketing campaign that we have put in place. Our college actually uh, along the way hired a marketing director and we are using all kinds of social media and other agencies uh, to try to get information out there to men, uh, especially African-American men who want to uh, consider the teaching profession as an option for themselves to connect with us. Uh, we have also successfully developed some support programs for these students, personal and professional development programs that deal with... So some of these men uh, may be interested in going into teaching, for example, uh -huh. and... Um, a number of them may not meet the requirements to go into the teaching field. 
what we have begun to do in the last few months is work with them one-on-one -on -one to see what they need in order to meet the requirement and provide services to help them scaffold to get to that point at which they're now qualified to go into the teaching. Because some of these teachers are, are good substitute teachers whose uh, school staff administrators want to keep as teachers in the classroom. But because they have not met the requirements, they cannot be hired as teachers. So as we identify them, we are developing programs uh, that give some kind of professional development for them as well as mentoring them on how they can meet all the requirements in order to qualify to go into the teaching profession. So we are not only recruiting those who qualify, we are also working with those who may not have the qualification and help them qualify to go into the teaching. That's an area we're working on right now. We also have done a whole lot of academic referrals that are coming from community colleges, as well as some tutoring agencies where we are looking at tutors and trying to get them into the teaching track. Tuition assistance is another thing that we have done. Our goal, our, our dream actually is that uh, these men can go through this program without paying tuition uh, uh, so that we can be able to get them committed to a long-term life of teaching. Yeah. So when, when we started the program in 2020, um, the first set of men, we were able to get them a 100% uh, tuition scholarship. Now, as we're going into the next cohort, we are working hard. We are not there yet, but our hope is that we can successfully also get the same for them. So we have tuition assistance, full uh, scholarship in most cases. And we have also invested a lot of our energies cultivating partnerships and building relationships. Uh, we are in communication with a whole lot of community colleges trying to create pipelines. We have what we call the integrated teaching track in which a student can come from community college after two years and come into our CSUSB undergraduate program and immediately get on the teaching track. We're also working with school districts uh, who have some kind of high school classes that uh, introduce teaching as a career to students. So we are connecting with those as we are trying to create multiple pathways from which we can get teachers into this program. Mm -hmm. We are reaching out to community agencies. One of the organizations that have supported us uh, that just uh, has supported this college over the years and have also come on board uh, to support Project Impact is Schools First Credit Union. They have come on board. So organizations like that, we are working with them to try to uh, build partnership. So it depends on what areas organizations can be uh, accountable. They choose how they want to be involved. Yeah. Some local districts are already beginning to also develop a memorandum of understanding with us. Uh, one district particularly say, said to us, we would like to work with you on this teacher pipeline program for minority male teachers. What we want to do is to have you train them. We will identify them from our district. We will pay for their education. They need to make a commitment to come back and work for us. So there are different levels of partnerships that we are cultivating. Uh, honestly, most of them are dependent on what the need of that stakeholder is and how we can work together to have a mutual benefit in the process. What would you say is the greatest success you've seen as a result of this program so far? 
I would say it's too early to talk about our successes because we mm -hmm. are just a new program yet, but mm -hmm. we have made a whole lot of success. To start with, for us to have, uh, in the midst of a pandemic, recruit 10 men and provide all the programs we plan to provide to them, and we are hoping to graduate the first set this fall. That is, to me, a huge accomplishment. Mm -hmm. As we were facing the pandemic in the spring of 2020, we wondered whether we should shelve the idea and wait for the pandemic to pass. We said, no, we'll move on. And I'm glad we did. And within that time, not only did we recruit these 10 men and have them go through the program, not only did we begin to put the infrastructure in place for this program to move forward, we have built up a strong cohort of collaborators and partners who are invested in what we are trying to do. That is quite, uh, for me, an impressive accomplishment despite the pandemic. Yeah. Uh, right now, as we are speaking, uh, we have about 15 uh, men who are coming on for this fall semester. Our target for this academic year was 30 men, and we are very much on track to have 15 coming this fall. And in the spring, we are also expecting to have another 15. So we expect to meet our target of 30 men for this academic year. For me, that's a huge success. Dean, do you believe this project could and should be replicated elsewhere? Definitely. Our goal, honestly, is that what we do can be replicated not only in the CSUs, but across the nation. Actually, another university's College of Education approached me recently after hearing about this and asked me, how can you help us do this in our own college? So I believe that as we solidify the infrastructure, our plan is actually to do whatever we can to get other educational institutions to invest into this, because it's job worth doing. Uh, we can't do it alone. And that is why we have narrowed our focus to the Inland Empire. Uh, but I worked for many years in the Los Angeles uh, public school system, and Los Angeles as a region would benefit from something like this. Houston as a, as a region would benefit from something like this. So I see it as replicable. Mm -hmm. And uh, part of our goal as the program stabilizes is to try to see that it is replicated across the nation, not just in the state. You're listening to Education Insight. Our guest has been Chinaka Domna Chukwu, the dean of CSUSB's College of Education. And we've been speaking about the Minority Teacher Pipeline Project. Dean, thank you so much for joining us. Thank Peters. you so much for giving us the opportunity to share about this program. You're listening to Education Insight. Taking a look at the calendar over the next few weeks, there's an event coming up. Organizers are hoping it'll bring a great number of educators together to collaborate and come up with some ideas about what can be done here in the Inland Empire. And on the telephone with us is one of the folks behind that, Anne-Marie Sakrakov, Chief Operations Officer for Growing Inland Achievement. Tell us a little bit about your event. We have our annual Toward a Shared Vision 
convening. And of course, this year it will be virtual, mm -hmm. being held on September 16th and 17th. What kind of things will people be hearing about or participating in in this event? Certainly. Well, we are inviting all of our community leaders. So that means folks engaged in education, but also business, government, mm. and the nonprofit sectors uh, to really work on thinking through solutions for increasing educational attainment uh, in our region. And anybody can attend? Yes, it is open. Find out more about the schedule and to register for the event at our website, inlandempiregia.org. Anne-Marie Sakrakoff from Growing Inland Achievement. Best of luck with your event. Thanks for having me. Hope to see you all there. Here at Education Insight, we know it's been a tough year for students in the Inland Empire, but we're always inspired by their resilience. If you've had a hard year yourself and felt at times you might not make it in your educational journey, we leave you with some words of encouragement from some impressive college students and recent graduates in the Inland Empire. I would say things will get better. It's a scary situation. A lot of people are not doing well. You're not alone. Just know that there are so many resources and so many people that you can reach out to for help. School is never easy, regardless of it being in person or online. Don't give up because this is your future. These are your goals. You know, you decided to go to college to begin with and it was for a reason. So just remind yourself of that. I actually do have a really close friend that is facing that same situation right now. And I did tell him to just don't give up. If you're at the bottom of the ladder, just keep, you know, one rung at a time because every rung that you climb is one less that you have to do. Just keep clawing your way up. You're gonna be able to have so many more tools in your tool belt. And I would hate, you know, for my, you know, any of my friends to lose out on that. The, the light at the end of the tunnel is definitely worth it. Finding the right people to guide you and you know having the right people on your sideline definitely is gonna help. All I can say is just keep going, just keep trying. I started my first year with the 1.3. I was gonna get kicked out. Just keep going, just keep trying. Don't be scared. So all I can say is just keep going. You, you can do it. I would say don't think of it as pressure. Think of it as an experience. So to me, the way that I went into college, I was kind of terrified to do it because in my mind, I was like, oh my God, like it's too much to deal with. And then I thought in my mind, I'm gonna take all these cool classes where I get the opportunity to learn how to become a better person. And I think that's how you should really look at it. Look at it as an opportunity and experience. Just keep on going and just take things day by day. That's what this whole past year has taught me don't really like worry too much about the far future just take things day by day and see where you go from there i always tell my friends when they when they're feeling like really down and they they just don't want to do it anymore i tell them look you're feeling this way it might be temporary so you might not want to make a permanent decision at the end of the day you're investing in yourself the actual journey itself is so much more important i quit college Right out of high school, I went almost two years on a full ride, and then I lost sight of my dream. So I quit. 
And the thing that I did not want my kids to remember about me is that I was a college dropout. And so when they were a little more grown and I could go back to school, I attacked it. And I wanted them to see, you know, that drive for education. My son is into IT. My two girls are headed to medical school. So obviously it landed with them. And that's what I did just like this, just keep clawing and keep clawing. We hope you'll join us for some upcoming Education Insight programs that we're working on. What's the actual value of a college education right now? And what did Inland Empire school teachers and administrators tell us that they wish parents knew? Be sure to join us for those stories and so many more. I'm Lacey Kendall. Thanks for joining us. Education Insight is produced in partnership with KVCR San Bernardino. Our executive producer is Jacob Poor, and our production engineer is Tyler Vizi. Alyssa Silva is our production assistant, and Lacey Kendall is your host. Support is provided by Growing Inland Achievement, working together for inland education and economic success. And by Colleague Futures Foundation. Do you have questions or suggestions for the future topics we should be covering? Write to us at educationinsight.org. Join us again next time for Education Insight.